Today's podcast session is supported by Uphill. So if you ask a therapist who's doing clinical work what the bane of their existence is, usually progress notes are in the top one to two. I'm not naming any names, but when I was doing clinical work, I remember I had several colleagues who would get so backed up on clinical notes, so they would end up spending their nights and weekends trying just to catch up. Honestly, who wants to do that? And this is where Appeal comes in. Appeal is AI-powered case notes. Now, I know for many of us, when we hear the word AI, we're, there's like a natural skepticism. And honestly, I had that skepticism as well until I got to meet with the Appeal team and learn about some of the many ways that they are doing this in a way that is HIPAA compliant and also doesn't sell data to anyone and also protects our clients as well. You can learn more about Uphill and the awesome work that they're doing in the world uh, by going to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Uphill. And Uphill is uh, spelled U-P and then H-E-A-L, all one word. And at checkout, be sure to enter the promo code COUCH25, C-O-U-C-H, and the number 25 to get 25% off your Uphill plan for the first two months. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 323 of Selling the Couch. I hope that you're doing well, uh, having a great day. So today's podcast is actually on Twitter and specifically on Twitter threads. Now, I am a complete Twitter newbie, but I decided to take a leap and get on Twitter earlier this year uh, in I had gotten into a pretty good cadence with like being active on Twitter, but then life stuff kind of happened and I took a step back. But I've been just, the time that I was really active on Twitter, and I want to get back on there, but the time that I was really active on Twitter, I met some of the most amazing people uh, just doing just crazy innovative things. And among the people that I met is our guest today, who is Adit Shet. Adit is... Uh, as I'm actually recording this, he I believe he's 21. He may have just turned 21. Uh, he's right in the middle of college and he's studying engineering. He started on Twitter a couple of years ago and has built a following of over 200,000 followers. As I as I you know record this, he specifically talks about like his basic idea is you know how to sort of the the top entrepreneurs how do they their habits, their, you know, how do they sort of optimize their life, their optimize their business. And uh, Adit is here to share all about Twitter and specifically about Twitter threads. Uh, Adit and I, it's we connected on Twitter. I went through their members or their Makers Mark cohort uh, back last year, or back in the spring. And uh, it was just some one of those things where I like had no idea what to do on Twitter, and I was like, you know what, I might as well learn from Adith and Brandon. And at that point, I think Adith had like seventy or eighty thousand followers, and uh, I just got a really good framework in terms of how Twitter works, and it's like completely has blown my mind. I mean, I feel like I would have never said this, but Twitter is like one of the best networking things, especially if you are like wanting to sort of be in the cutting edge of like, you know, society, like Web 3.0, crypto, like 
tech, uh, edu- ed tech, like any of this kind of stuff, productivity, just there's just so much interesting stuff that's happening there. And I was completely using Twitter wrong. You know, I just thought it was like all about these like one-off tweets and following celebrities and all of that stuff. But Adith will share this, but this whole microeconomy has now grown on Twitter where it's like other just creators um, who are collaborating and forming connections and all of those different things. So Adith is here to share some of the strategies that have worked for him on Twitter, specifically in writing threads. Uh, And especially I feel like many of us as clinicians, we love writing. And I think Twitter is one of those things that if done well, uh, your writing can really reach a lot of folks. Uh, Just to even give you a tangible example, when I was active on Twitter, I literally had like a a unicorn. So this is basically a a startup that has reached a billion dollars in valuation. A unicorn that was based in India reached out to me based on a thread that they saw and they wanted to do some sort of collaboration, right? And it's just, it's crazy the world we live in. And uh, yeah, I'm so excited to share with this with you. Here's my conversation with Adit Sheth from adithsheth.com. Hey, Adit, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin, how's it going? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man, it's going really great. Uh, you know, before we even jump in, I, I mean, crazy, the internet, right? Like that we've, been, one, been able to connect and, uh, you know, beyond just the online space, like offline, we built a really nice friendship and uh i'm just so grateful for you brother and i mean i tell you this all the time privately but like what you're doing at the age of 20 like if i had even the foresight or thought to even do something like that but it's just it's so amazing and uh i think the thing i most appreciated is like you as a person have not changed and you are like one of the most humble and kind people i've ever met and uh, i really am just so grateful for you Appreciate it, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the uh, warm intro. But um, yeah, likewise, like uh, I've been grateful for being able to like have that offline connection with you as well. Meet you when I was in New York and just meet, you know, a couple of amazing people that I've met on Twitter. And as you've said, the internet is crazy and you don't know who who you're going to meet when and how you're going to connect with them. So definitely I'd encourage everyone, whoever's listening to, I, I say this to Melvin all the time as well. And Honestly, to myself, just keep exploring, and uh, and you you never know what connection and how well you resonate with with that person. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we connected on Twitter. I mean, I was a part of uh, you and Brandon's Makers Mark cohort, uh, where you like taught me about Twitter and audience building and all of that stuff. And it's a wonderful course. I highly recommend you guys check it out. But I mean, to be honest, like. I would have never in my wildest dreams thought like Twitter as a place to like build connections. I mean, all my, (laughs) my impressions were, you know, like a former president, like writing controversial tweets and (laughs) getting banned or, you know, like I exactly. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's unreal. Like how did you decide on Twitter? Yeah. So that's a great question. I I get this quite a bit and I talk about it privately uh, quite a bit too, but so how it started was just like, you know, everyone during the COVID pandemic, like we all had so much time um, to ourselves. We're all like locked in our houses. And I feel like for the first time, we had the opportunity to surround ourselves with the content that we really wanted to. Obviously, when you're growing up, uh, you go to a certain school, you're born in a certain class and and you're you have a certain 
a group of friends to a certain extent you're not choosing those friends you're put into a certain school and and you grow up with that uh level of friendship with your friends around and when i was locked in and i i feel i've talked to a lot of my creator friends and they've had this similar experience where we finally got to choose what kind of content and what kind of ideas we surround ourselves with uh on a daily basis and that went to an extent of like a year a year and a half maybe even two years right so what i was doing at that point in time i was consuming a lot of content around productivity around self improvement talk about you know creators like ali abdal who was actually the first creator that inspired me to to uh, build on the internet and write online and then i met people like david prell and i started consuming their ideas and watch their youtube content so i fell in that entire creator economy if you could call it and my first instinct was you know i've been consuming their content for maybe about 2 3 months now in fact even before but i've really been consuming their content and gone deep into their content for the past 2 3 months and why not get on the platform where they're interacting with their followers interacting with other creators um and that platform just happened to be twitter just like yourself i had this impression of twitter so i had an account i think and i've talked to so many other people and they had this exact same experience it's so funny because we all had an account in like 2010 you know we all had an account like 10 years ago but nobody really used it for this specific reason which was you know like i don't want to like interact with like celebrities or like politicians and and the president like that's what twitter is for the creator economy is not on twitter like we didn't know that and until i think i heard it on someone's po- i i heard it on ali's podcast and at that point it was called something else it wasn't deep dive it was uh, with him and his brother which i think is still going on but it's like a separate podcast and his brother said you ali like you got to get on twitter and i heard it the first time it was in one episode and i was like okay you know just carry on like let's um learn about something new in that uh, particular podcast and then i think two weeks later taimur said it to ali again like yo you're not listening to me just trust me just get on twitter this is where the conversations are happening it's going to be great for your business it's going to be great to meet people and i was like okay like taimur's basically speaking to me now <laughs> so i got on the platform and started interacting with people and and we can get into the entire conversation of like how how to build a following and how to like you know meet cool people what to do but that's basically how my journey started on twitter and almost crazy to even imagine like where we've come and not just in terms of followers i feel like where we've come in terms of relationships and just like a lot of my best friends are from twitter as well like uh who would have imagined me coming to new york meeting uh my co-founder Brandon meeting you meeting a lot of other people that I met through Twitter and obviously family and friends too but who would have imagined and uh yeah now I can't imagine my life without it and and my friend group and my friend circle without it so that's that's basically uh, a bit about my journey and and how I started on Twitter yeah i mean it's it's amazing like i think one of the things that i most appreciate about what you shared and just like this is social media done well right like it's it's intent is well right it's it's to build genuine friendships genuine connections to be able to diversify beyond like a geographic area or a school or something right really random question do you remember like how many followers you started with when you first started on twitter yeah was it like yeah zero zero like yeah absolute i had zero okay absolute zero and honestly i can't even i don't even remember at that time like who i talked to I have a couple of friends that I talked to like when I was at maybe you know sub 100 and I still talk to them today like I I meet them maybe if I'm if I'm in London I meet them in like on a weekly basis or something 
But yeah, started with zero, uh, knew no one on the platform. Honestly, didn't even want to tell anyone that I'm on the platform. And we can get into that conversation too. I think yeah. uh, that's cool. what I'm experiencing with LinkedIn right now. So I'm just just for context, I'm kind of expanding to LinkedIn. Uh, once you start building a following, you really want to focus about, or you really want to focus on diversifying and building your email list because if something, you know, God forbid something does happen to a uh, social media platform doesn't exist maybe tomorrow or your your uh, account doesn't exist tomorrow you really want to have a backup and and a backup for those relationships and friendships that you've built with people so we can get into that but i'm kind of experiencing that with linkedin as well because more people know me personally over there but it gets easier with time honestly like when you're po- posting more often you're putting in the reps it gets easier. So early on, started with zero on Twitter, and uh, and we built from ground up and talking to like random strangers on the internet. Yeah, because that's um, what we do. <laughs> right? Did you? I mean, I think the tendency for a lot of people on Twitter when they're starting out is to like post their own own content. But I think it sounds like what you did is you actually started engaging with people that you wanted to get to know. Or, or am, I, am I wrong on that? Yeah. So. What I started doing was I started engaging with people that I admired on the platform. They were usually people that I was already following or subscribed to on YouTube. Mm. A great way to find like-minded folks is obviously engaging with people that you admire, but then you go in their comments and you'll see people that also admire the same creators. And so that was a great kind of mini hack uh, through which I found a lot of people that were like-minded and I could connect with more easily. And you would and, uh, comments on YouTube or you would just... Have no, not on YouTube, on Twitter. Like I would, I would move okay. the conversations to Twitter and um, I'd engage early with their tweets. I'd, I'd try to provide value. And this is a very cliche and, you know, a vague word, provide value. I can get more into that. But I just try to be helpful, as helpful as possible in any way. Um, I'll give you an example of providing value. This is something really small, but I think something really small can go a long way as well. So... I admire this dude called uh, Greg Eisenberg on uh, Twitter. I don't know if you know him, but he talks a lot about like Web3 community. He has an agency of his, uh, he has an agency as well. And he's recently got back into thread writing. He was writing a couple of threads early on, but um, not recently. So he put out a thread after a long time and I really liked it. Like uh, it was, he has a lot of experience in the startup space and community space. So he um, kind of combined all those lessons and put a thread on it. And what I did was I loved it so much. I spent like 15, 20 minutes, not that much time. You know, I spent 15, 20 minutes converting that thread into a visual. And, you know, mind you, I'm not a visuals guy. Like I'm not the best uh, designer. I'm not, I just like played around with Figma, spent maybe 20, 25 minutes spinning something up and sent it to him. And next thing you know, like in two hours, two hours later, he puts it on Twitter. He puts it on LinkedIn. He tags me. And that's not even like the best part. The best part is like he was just genuinely happy to see something like that. Mm-hmm. And we've had conversations in the past. We've called a couple of times as well. I really admire him. Just send something, you know, that's like doing something small that can take you 15, 20 minutes. If you're an actual designer, you can pull that up in 10 minutes. Like um, it wasn't too hard, but that can go a long way because something like this, something so small can still be memorable. Yeah, that's that's what I tried doing like multiple times. This was although this was recent, I tried to do this with a lot of creators that I admired, a lot of people that I was engaging with early on, and and uh, you can really build strong strong relationships uh, by doing something permissionless, just just without asking them. Yeah, I think um, I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff there, and I think the one thing I'm taking away is sometimes I think when we get on these social media platforms, 
it can feel like we need to interact a certain way. And we sometimes forget that like just being kind and helpful and just genuinely wanting, like appreciating someone and just wanting to genuinely mm. help them without any sort of pretense or condition. Like that goes so far on social media because I think like, unfortunately that is sort of an exception, right? Mm. Right. Because we yeah, like yeah, yeah. live in this like me, 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 what can, what's in it for me kind of. Yeah. I think so I um this really resonated with me. So <clears throat> I don't know if you know Jack Pitchard, the visualized value guy, yeah. super cool guy. And he has this phrase called uh, permissionless action. And it's basically doing stuff without asking for permission. Mm. Um, and I think most of the internet is like that. Creating content, trying to help someone, you know, helping someone that's maybe a couple of steps behind. Like that's all content creation is, at least in the educational space. Mm. You don't have to be an expert in in a certain field. If you have had a couple of experiences, if you have um, knowledge in a particular field, and even if you're just a couple of steps ahead of someone else, you can definitely help them and provide value and do stuff that's permissionless. You don't need to ask for someone's permission to create content and help someone out on the internet. So that's something that really resonated with me. And I found it's also a great way to connect with people and connect with people that you admire. Because if, you, if you're thinking from their perspective, they're getting quite a lot of inbound every single day on platforms like Twitter, on Instagram, like everyone's getting... If they have a lot of followers, chances are they're getting a lot of inbound. Uh, people asking them, hey, can I do this for you? Hey, uh, pay me this much. I'll, I'll, uh, here's a discounted price. I'll do this with this discounted price because I, I admire you so much. But just give me a couple of days and I'll do this for you. Whereas if you're taking that permissionless action approach, you're not asking them to help help them. You're just doing it. And you're sending it to them. And and I think that goes a long way. And uh, when I've seen people do that with me or or um, I've seen people do that with others, I think uh, they really build strong connections with that, uh, with that person that they admire. That's cool. Yeah, I love that. Because I think, I mean, it taps into multiple things among them. I think a lot of times, I know clinicians that are listening to this, like many of us kind of struggle with per, like either permission or perfectionism right? Like we mm. have to do this or we have to like get their permission, whatever it is. Right. And this is sort of saying like, what if we come just, what do we operate just from a different lens and from a different perspective? And so yeah, I appreciate you like sharing both of those like tangible examples. Um, so Twitter, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, which is, you know, like Twitter's not just about like single tweets. There's actually things called Twitter threads and before we dive too much even into that, like, can you explain what a thread is, like in a super simple way? Yeah, sure. Let me let me try to uh, break it down. So basically, tweets are these single tweets. Uh, however, character, how many ever characters a tweet consists of? I think two sixty or something. That's all a single tweet can be. Now, if you want to dive deeper into a certain topic, let's say you've uh, accumulated like you know, a wealth of experiences in, in a certain field. Maybe it could be audience building, maybe it could be social media, it could be writing, it could be something completely different, real estate. And you want to leverage that chance of um, sharing that value with your audience. Mm. Sometimes it can be difficult to do in a single tweet, which is why people write, uh, people write uh, Twitter threads, which is basically you've got a tweet, like this is exactly how the mechanics works. You've got a tweet and then you reply to that tweet with 
with just some added uh, text. Then you reply to the next tweet with some added text. And and uh, it's basically a sequence of replies. And usually threads are maybe, you know, eight to 10 tweets, eight to 12 tweets long. And they're basically diving deeper into a certain topic to provide more more value essentially. And, and um, they also do well in terms of engagement on Twitter. So you, you'll see a lot of people are writing these Twitter threads and it's also a way to maybe, you know, share a couple of resources that they found valuable or uh, share an experience. A lot of people are sharing their stories as well, which can be difficult to to do in a single tweet, as you can imagine, right? So that's basically what a Twitter thread is. And the main components of one, if, I, if, you, if you'd like to know that, it's you've got the main thread hook, which is the first tweet. And that's essentially what people see on the platform. Like when they're browsing, I'd say... A Twitter thread hook, the first tweet is probably equivalent to a YouTube thumbnail, if if that makes it easier for some people to understand. So it's the only thing that people see before clicking on the thread or before clicking on the YouTube video. Um, if you're if you're comparing to a YouTube video, but it's the only thing that people see, and that's how they decide: Do I want to dive deeper? Do I want to learn more about this certain topic? Which is why you'll see a lot of these Twitter threads have kind of clickbaity uh, titles. But my opinion, and this might be a bit of a controversial opinion, but I feel like a lot of people that make YouTube thumbnails and, and create YouTube videos will agree with me, is that if you deliver, over-deliver on that clickbait, then you've kind of won an audience. Like you've won a loyal follower because you've attracted someone with a clickbait title. It could be a certain figure. It could be certain place. It could be maybe you're, you're um, leveraging someone that's popular in, in the media space right now or uh, in the news. And you have that clickbait hook in the first um, in the first tweet. But if you're actually providing that value, providing some useful information, providing no- novel insights, you've in fact won a novel, uh, you've, you've won a loyal follower because as I said, so these threads do really well and, and help you in building an audience on the platform. Yeah. I mean, it is, I mean, you helped me like with several of these threads and that one that we wrote on sort of the lessons, uh, I mean, you, you had such a great way of like, uh, I forgot exactly how we phrased it, but these are basically 10 lessons that I learned from, you know, building a successful online course. Right. And, oh, you said some things are not obvious. Right. That was yeah, kind of yeah. the, the line. Right. Like, uh, so yeah, our, our, that hook for that thread was like, you know, my course has done 300,000 in sales, but some things are not obvious. Here are 10 mm. things I learned as a course creator. Right. And yeah. that thing went like, like 500,000 impressions. I was like, yeah, in the world, you know? Yeah, uh, it, it can go crazy. Cause if you think about it, like, imagine how useful that is for, you know, creators that are starting. Um, there are businesses, creators that don't even know, they that, that don't even classify themselves as creators. Maybe they're just writing on the internet at that point. And that can act as solid inspiration for someone to take the leap. I'm not saying going into a full-time creator, but, you know, taking that side hustle more seriously. And um, that can really be inspiring. So I've played around with a lot of these like threads and thread hooks, which is why like, I think it's just more intuitive and almost like second nature uh, being like, yeah, I think you should, you know, uh, exchange this word with this one because I know it'll work well, or I think this will just perform better and you should try this one out. So yeah, uh, I do that in my fun t- uh, free time. So I don't know if I'm, if I'm a geek for that, but, uh, I really enjoy it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you are totally a geek. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so like one of the major tips on these threads are, uh, just to really spend a lot of time on that hook and particularly there's almost like formulas, right. And mm. I know you've talked 
you know, I learned this in Maker's Mark, and I was wondering if you could expand on this, almost creating like a repository of threads that have done well, right? Hooks that have done well. Uh, yeah. I was wondering if you could, you know, sort of expand on that. And then any other sort of tips when it comes to writing these threads? And then I have like a personal question for you afterwards. So. Yeah, sure, sure. We can get into that. Yeah, so basically, yeah, as you said, so you what what we do with these threads and these thread hooks particularly, as you said, like, you know, you you want to be spending quite a bit of time on these. And I don't know if you guys have heard of the Pareto principle. It's quite popular in like the self-improvement and uh, like it's quite popular in this space. But uh, basically 80% of the outcome is driven by 20% of the input, right? And I'd kind of apply something, something of a similar sort in thread hooks. I'd say 80% of the performance of a thread is probably uh, driven by the thread hook. Because if you can't hook people in the first one, there's no chance they're going to be reading the second, third, fourth tweet, right? So that's the most important. Uh, what we usually recommend um, everyone, makers, mark people, everyone is write the body of the thread. So start with a thread idea, write the body. So exactly what lessons, so maybe in your case, you know, 10 lessons um, I've learned running running uh, an online business for a couple of years or whatever that um, thread idea might be. So start with a thread idea. Jot down the lessons. So that's the, the body of the thread. And then at the end, come up, spin up like a couple of versions of that thread hook and then sleep on it, come back the next day and see if you're still feeling that or if if you're thinking of something different. One super useful tactic is sharing it with your friends, sharing it with friends that are also writing threads. So, you know, Melvin does this with me. I share it with Melvin because they understand what they understand it from a different perspective and, and may be able to provide a, a, you know, a different version that could be quite effective. So that's that. And in terms of uh, what, what does well and like, you know, as you, as you alluded to that earlier, like, you know, what formulas for uh, thread hooks, like what, what formulas do you have? So we try to reverse engineer it and see what emotion do you want to evoke when someone reads this, you know, do you want them to, uh, be like, no way, like I never knew that. Or um, do you want them to really be interested and intrigued by that suspense that you're building? Maybe you're sharing a story uh, of these like two young entrepreneurs um, who end up like building like super successful businesses and you want to talk about how they did it. So that could be your thread hook and you're intriguing people via suspenseful, suspenseful thread hook. Another one could be success stories. So success stories do really well on Twitter. So you'll see, you know, a lot of people um, retweeting and celebrating, maybe successful, maybe someone has raised money, a company has raised money. So that tends to do quite well. And and uh, if we're diving into retweet psychology, people love retweeting successes and stamping it on their own profile. Because at the end of the day, what is a retweet? It's a stamp on your profile, right? When someone's going through your profile, that's something that's going to be shown. So people love retweeting that successes. Another one is um, if you've if you have something novel, if your thread hook is maybe proving a misconception, a common misconception wrong in a in a certain field of study. So let's say you're top 10% of the field that you're studying or the field that you work in, it's probably not that hard to come up with ideas that prove common misconceptions wrong. So again, we're getting to that idea of helping a couple of people out that are two to three steps behind you. You know, what do you know that they might not know? And kind of incorporating that in the thread hook. And that can that can uh, do pretty well as well because that novelty is something that attracts people to to click and uh, and read on. So I'd say basically those four things, you know, counterintuitive, 
suspenseful thread hooks, successes, and something novel, something that might help uh, people that are two to, th- two to three steps behind you. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, a really random question, and maybe we'll just take like one example. So, you know, a lot of clinicians listen to this. So let's say that, you know, you are a clinician who primarily works, let's say, with online creators that struggle with depression, right? That's sort of your niche, right? What would be like an example of a potential thread idea just to even make this tangible? Yeah, yeah, sure. So just so that I get this right. So it's that uh, these are doctors that are working with uh, patients that are dealing with depression. And yeah, like, so these are specific, like, you know, these are mental health providers. And let's say a lot of a lot of us will niche down into certain population, right? So either niche into a population or niche into presenting concern. And often it's like combo of the two, right? So let's say that, you know, my specialty, right, when I was doing clinical work, I specifically worked with online entrepreneurs that struggled with depression because, you know, depression is so high in the greater space, right? Yeah, yeah. What would be an example of like a thread that I could generate? Yeah, uh, for sure. So just, uh, of course, like I'm not super, super involved in the space. So this is kind of, you know, uh, take this with a pinch of salt. But um, let's say you've worked X amount of years in this specific industry. That'd be a great starting point. Like I've worked X years in the in this particular industry. Uh, here are 10 things we recommend patients that are suffering from depression and ended off with a colon and just having, you know, 10 tips or 10 routines or practices that you have. Uh, of course, it's very difficult to do it over social media in like a tweet thread. But I think maybe just sharing like the basic outlines of the ways that you're tackling, tackling um, helping patients that are suffering from depression. Uh, I think that could that could be pretty useful for people. Yeah, that's awesome. And then uh you would recommend like one of those tweets toward the end be some kind of call to action, right? Like yeah. if you're interested and, you know, if you're, let's say, you know, you see patients in New York or whatever, right? Like, you know, if you're in New York and an online creator struggling with depression, you know, please check out my services kind of thing. It should be like a direct call to action, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So especially like for something like this, if the thread is very much on that topic, something like that could work really well. Like, you know, here are my services. If you're in New York, like, you can you can check this out. Let's say maybe if you're talking about your business in general and your niche and field of expertise is dealing with uh, people with depression mm-hmm. that are suffering from depression and you're talking about maybe your business on, on Twitter because sometimes you can do that too, then you might be, then a better call to action in my opinion would be maybe sharing a link to your newsletter or an email list and and gathering leads from there. But for something that is so on topic and talking about your field of expertise exactly like uh very specifically then i think a call to action as you said like would be appropriate of like you know you can check out my services if you're in this uh if you're in this city yeah it's awesome yeah uh so you know this and uh you know i i got on twitter this year and i had like i think 1800 followers and i grew to like just under 5000 and then i kind of felt burnt out i mean life was just mm. a lot of life mm-hmm. stuff was happening and I'm like taking a pause on Twitter. I really love writing, right? But I ran into a couple of issues and I was wondering, and I suspect like others probably struggle with this. So the first thing is like these Twitter threads, right? Like I found myself when I was writing the actual body, like, I don't know if it was like perfectionism or 
just like almost like an obsessed like obsessiveness to get the wording perfect mm. like that kind of crippled me a lot so like any tips on that part of it yeah yeah for sure so that's interesting because i feel like i suffer from the exact opposite of that which is like when i'm writing something i want to be like i want to see how this works like i want to post it right now and sometimes i have to I have to like hesitate and be like, no, like, let me, let me, you know, just see, let, let me get some uh, feedback from Brandon and uh, let me get some feedback from some other people and maybe post it tomorrow. But yeah, so I think once you've kind of built out a template or you've built out, um, like this, as, as we spoke exactly, you know, maybe uh, 10 lessons I've learned running this online business and having that really step-by-step process of like one full stop and then having like a title to full stop that's the second tweet third tweet i feel like when you have this template in mind already then you really don't play around with layout and and um, how that stuff works so i think having these templates just makes the process easier for you where you just have to like fill out the words and and it just becomes an overall easier process like when you've got some things like when you've got constraints yeah 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 absolutely so it sounds like maybe like one of the things I may need to circle back on is actually setting up some templates and kind of following just the templates and putting the words in as opposed to, because I think part of what I was doing is I was trying to construct it from scratch every time. And mm-hmm. that was like mm-hmm. so much mental bandwidth, right? Uh, on top of trying to do everything else. Uh, the other kind of area that I ran into a little bit of, I mean, I ran into some of the perfectionism with the hook right? Like, Mm. oh, man, I got to get like, this one perfect hook. And I wonder if you could Mm. talk through that part. And maybe we'll wrap up here after this. But like, how do you let that not cripple you? Right? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I think, again, like with me, I I feel like I'm just like that experimental kind where I'm like, I just want to see how this does. I want to see how it performs. I think maybe like a thought process to implement in this case would be that it's not that you just have one shot. It's not that like you have to get it right this time. A lot of the times, like I see, you know, clients of ours that it doesn't hit the first time and that's completely fine. It could be the day. It could be the time of day that you're posting because that that's important too. It depends on your audience geography. Like if they're awake at that time, if they're on Twitter on that time, how's the engagement doing at that time? It doesn't have to hit the first time. It's fine. Like you've written the content you've done the hard work of, you know, as you said, like, you know, you've, you've done the hard work of actually writing it out, converting ideas in your head to words on paper. So you've done most of the work. You can always go back and come back. Yeah. You can always go back three months later and try to repurpose that content uh, with a slightly different hook. So once you've implemented that process, you kind of aren't scared of like, you know, I need to get this right the first time. Uh, because you always have multiple shots. And I feel like that's the case with a lot of stuff on the internet. Like you've created content, it's not going to go to waste. Uh, because even if it doesn't work the first time, you can uh, you can come back and repurpose the content and just change the hookup and 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 see how it does. Like I do this all the time, like with my content. Because uh, if you think about it, let's say like I've grown from, you know, since last year, maybe I was at, 90,000 followers, maybe 70,000 followers. And at this point, I'm at a, I'm at 200,000 followers. So if you think about it, like if I've written something over a year ago, mm-hmm. 130,000 people, like 110,000 people haven't even seen that. 
And chances are that the first 90,000 people that saw it don't even remember what it was. Like, don't remember even the slightest bit of it. So you can, you know, repurpose that content, add some updated stuff. If you, if you, if your thoughts have changed on a certain topic, obviously you can update it and, and uh, improve it. But repurposing content is like gold. And I don't see a lot of people do it. And I feel like, uh, yeah, like we advise more people to do it because if you've written something, it definitely isn't going to go to waste. You can, you can uh, reuse it and, and share it with a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Uh, definitely like shifts my perspective in a different way yeah. of thinking about it. Adit, I'm so grateful for you, brother, and uh, so grateful for this time together. I know you're doing a lot of stuff in the world. Let us know what you're up to and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Like it's been a while since we we caught up and this has been long overdue. So happy to be here and thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you've, got, you've got Maker's Mark. You know, you guys are in the process of starting something to help uh, others write threads. Uh, yeah. Would you yeah. mind telling us a little bit about that? Yeah, cool, for sure. So uh, we've got Maker's Mark, which is a course for founders and managers and creators that are, that want to get started with their audience building, specifically on Twitter and LinkedIn. So that's what we specialize in. And uh, we've worked with probably, you know, 200, maybe even 250 plus founders at this point. A bunch of them have gone um, gone ahead and, you know, maybe with a month or two, a month or two of like consistent writing, they've gone and built 10K plus um, audiences, which is just fantastic to see. And on the back of that, we've basically spun up uh, the Maker's Mark agency. So we work with, if you don't want to take the course, like we can work um, work with you directly and, and write your content for you. So that's basically a content writing agency. Again, same, just Twitter and LinkedIn at this point. Um, so yeah, super, super exciting stuff. I've got one more year of college left. So really just experimenting and, and then we're off to the real world. I mean, I already feel like I'm in the real world, but yeah, I guess <laughs> you're, like you're, uh, you're straddling, you're straddling both worlds and man, it's, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And, uh, yeah, I just, again, I just, so seeing what you and Brandon have built and, and, you know, like being able to manage academics and college, that college season with building a really successful business. It's like super admirable and super, uh, I'm super proud of you, brother. So thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> Have a great rest of your day. Yeah. You too. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Adith and especially if you've been thinking about Twitter and, uh, specifically even writing more and uh, seeing the different ways that you can use social media platforms. Uh, I hope that today's podcast session has just been really helpful for you. Uh, as I shared on the interview, you know, I went very, like, with much gusto into Twitter, and uh, I was able to sustain that momentum for about five months. And I don't know if it was just, like, the season of life, you know, between just having a young kid and also the energy that it takes to run the podcast and our uh, online income mastermind and all of those different things. But I just kind of burnt out and I've been trying to figure out a way to get back on Twitter because I do like enjoy it and I did uh, enjoy writing on there. Uh, I think what I kind of have to figure out, I think the thing I took away from today's conversation is, you know, ideally it's good, especially in this online space to focus on one platform. For me, that's podcasting. I feel like you know, for a lot of therapists, podcasting makes sense because it's just a natural extension of like our our clinical skills, right? Uh, asking good questions, all of those kind of things. But 
once you sort of have that platform, right, the the thing I'm trying to weigh is like, how do you strategically keep this one platform that I've invested in while intentionally moving into these other platforms, but in a way that doesn't bring more burnout? And I don't know the answer to that. I think part of this is just going to be experimenting. Edith and I were talking and, you know, part of, I think maybe this is that I don't, I just give myself permission to write threads when I feel like it and versus like, you know, getting so worried about doing it on a regular cadence because that was part of the issue was I was trying to write two threads a month on top of doing STC podcast episodes on top of running mastermind and all of those other things on top of family. And it was just getting to be too much. So I don't know. It's given me such a different perspective. I highly encourage you to check out Twitter. Uh, it's it's an interesting platform and one that I would have never expected to be on. But uh, I'm just so yeah, so grateful in the ways that you, you can, there's just some amazing human beings that are on there. Adith is doing a bunch of different stuff. Uh, he mentioned Maker's Mark. So if you are uh, a clinician that is, you have like a local practice and you're like, hey, I would love to build more of an o- online audience, specifically on LinkedIn or Twitter, I encourage, or definitely encourage you to check out Maker's Mark. I've done, I've gone through a couple of audience building cohorts um, from just various content creators and Adit's and Brandon's is like, it's super solid. I mean, they go out of their way to just be of genuine help to you. And the really nice thing is because like you get access, you get to be part of another creator community. And so as you're sort of being on Twitter, you're with other people and, uh, you know, and you learn sort of these methods and tactics and all of those different things. You can learn more about uh, that over at adithsheth.com and adith is spelled A-A-D-I-T. Have a great rest of your day and I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.